Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So, how well can you summarize your feelings on Avengers Endgame without discussing any of the plot? Alright, let's think about this. This movie is like spoilers from the and, minute go. Yeah, the, like, the way that they have promoted this movie is to tell you absolutely nothing about the movie. Um, which is cool. And they, they did this to some degree with Infinity War 2. But it's basically... It is both is closure for the first... I the call first it Gen 1. Gen 1... Uh, MCU, it is it is clear and definitive closure, um, and it's in a lot of ways it's a love letter to the first twenty one films of the MCU. Uh, that, that's basically what it is, and if it's it really is does not stand on its own that well. Even though I saw it with some people who hadn't seen a lot of the movies and they still enjoyed it. Yeah. But it doesn't, standing on its own is nothing compared to, this is an experience designed for people who have seen all, at least most of the movies and are just going to love all of the different callbacks, all of the ways that they get to view. Have get, fun. Get to have fun with, by connecting, sort of connecting dots between movies in, in really cool ways you didn't expect. Yeah, and I myself, like, I, I've always got some level of apprehension in certain ways um, for a number of reasons, but, like, I think for me, one of the things that I was worried about was, because Infinity War surprised me at how much I enjoyed it, and it reminded me in a lot of ways of how much I actually do care about this first generation of Marvel films. And Endgame actually managed to solidify that, even though there are aspects of it that I don't think, on its, on paper, structurally and other things, I actually think it's probably one of the weaker Marvel films. Hmm. But, because of that emotional attachment to the characters and the, the past like 11 years of Marvel, it feels more than that. So it, it's funny because <laughs> this is really something different. Like before big fra big film franchises were in the, fr the, the, the style of James Bond or Godzilla, where it's more episodic, they're standalone, you don't have character arcs or character growth between them. James Bond, for all of his movies, was always James Bond. Um, they changed it a little bit with the Daniel Craig version, but James Bond is James Bond. You right. all, like, he's not changing that much. And with these films, it's always been a continuous sort of storyline. It's never meant to be, be standalone. Like, everything's always meant to be changing. And as a result... I don't think you, you've you ever been able to really evaluate a film like this where it's like, yes, there's that on paper element, but you cannot ignore the emotional impact of having seen these characters change and evolve in 11 years. And the film it's, wants you to see and witness how some of them have changed. What's, what's funny is I was, I was thinking about the... What? So 20... There have been 21, I think. This is the number this 22. Is like, this is like 23. I think it's 22. Um, I do believe it's 23. I've heard a lot of people say 23. 
It depends, because like, it depends on. I think Captain Marvel's twenty-two. Mm, we can find those anyway. However many episodes there are are, it almost made me think of. It's like a, the season finale, of the biggest budgeted TV show ever, uh, in some ways, where or, or almost like the series finale, where nobody would expect to tune into the last episode of Lost, or in a couple weeks to tune into the last episode of Game of Thrones, and have any idea why any of it is good if they haven't watched what came before. Yeah, you can't go... like If I were to go back and watch the last season... like I ha- I've only seen a little bit of The Sopranos. So maybe it's not a great example because I've at least seen some of it. But if I were to go in and watch the last episode without a lot of the context, then, especially for the le- the ending of the yeah, actual ending, right. which is a reference to an earlier episode, like I wouldn't have that kind of like impact and i said this kind of thing with people before like you know that feeling where it's like you have a movie you really love and you want to show someone your favorite scene or a tv show and you want to show them your favorite scene like this embodies why i love this but because you don't have the surrounding context of the characters or anything people won't get it as much right like this without all that context i think will be less enjoyable but at the same time as you said like it's still enjoyable yeah I actually think it would be so, as a standalone thing, I think it might actually, well, it probably depends on the viewer. This is less of a frenetic uh, sort of Infinity War for as dark as it was, was this sort of frenetic joyride around the galaxy. If you recall our last year's podcast on it, I mentioned, I compared it to Godzilla Destroy All Monsters when I was a kid. And being disappointed that it wasn't endless action, endless monster fights, and yet now as an adult, Infinity War felt like what I wanted when I was 13 or 12, but now as an adult, I'm like, there's not enough plot here. Well, that's not the case with Endwar. Endwar knows how to Endgame. take its time. Endgame. Yeah, sorry. yeah. Endgame, Endgame is a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more personal. There are some really cleverly built sections and moments and everything else. Uh, and so, yeah, it's definitely, it's not, if you were expecting Infinity War 2, where we're going to jump in, and then our it's heroes... There's going to be a lot of fighting, a lot of fighting. A lot of fighting, fighting a lot of, you know, jumping that. from character to character. No, it's, it's more focused on the original team, um, and it's uh, it's a little bit, yeah, it's more personal, and it really builds up to the action rather than just jumping all over the place. Yeah, and... To that end, I think there's no way we can really keep talking about it without going into spoilers, so... It's... I mean... And honestly, at this point, like, if you're gonna... You know if you're gonna watch the movie or not. I mean, you've already... Like, there's no way you're considering watching Endgame if you haven't already watched Infinity War. Yeah. So, like, you, yeah. you know you're going to see it, or you know you don't really it, right, care. Yeah. There's, there's, there's basically... There's, there's a couple groups you I'm imagining... Right, some of you have already seen it. Um, some of you are just like me, where sometimes you get trapped in what a friend of mine called baby jail or something like that, or work jail, where you just don't have the time and the energy and the resources to get out. And so you're going to see it, but you just haven't yet. And there's maybe the third group who maybe you're interested in seeing this because you know it's something that's culturally significant, but you're not really a huge Marvel fan. You haven't seen all the Marvel films or whatever else, I think you will enjoy it. I think 
you have probably already found on the internet meme verse that it's already become culturally significant in very spoilerific ways. Uh, uh, but it depends on what you mean by culturally significant. But I love you three thousand. Okay, okay, okay. I can see that. I have seen people reference that. Okay. So, um, but so that's like memification. That's like... Uh, well, that's what I was saying. Like, it's it's become... And then, if that's something that's important to you, understanding that, then you're going to want to go see it. So That's all I'm saying. You, you want to see it. Okay, if you're listening to this right now, unless you, like, hate Marvel and hate superheroes and hate good things, you want to see it. Or you and I each know someone we interact with regularly that will have other political reasons they might not want to. Uh, Or assumptions, I should say. If you have any assumptions... um, Well, you're right. Okay, so this is obviously... We hate getting political. um, Even though I, I, I have a tendency to shove my foot in my mouth anyway. A little bit. If you think that there's going to be... This is this is not a movie about Captain Marvel. No. This is a movie about This is a movie about honestly the this is a movie about Captain cast. America and Iron Man are the real focus of this. Yes. They they are the what basically the true heroes at the heart of the movie. And if you're concerned about somehow some kind of SJW agenda was going to subvert or to that or to push them to the side or something like that, no. It's it's the two white guys um, that have been there the whole time, and and that's that's what this movie's about. It's about two white guys saving the world. Okay, it's not about you know whatever like whatever you think it might be like. And it's even putting it that way is like asking for trouble. <laughs> I mean, there's also not that not that a diverse multicultural <laughs> cast of heroes doesn't all participate in this and not that you don't get maybe like a cool girl power moment um, oh boy but uh, anyway anything else we say we're gonna get into spoilers so, so we're gonna just cut off point is here stop listening if you don't want spoilers some of you may be driving so we'll give you a little bit of time you know get to that stop lighter stop I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a sip of my drink yeah take we'll both take a sip and, and slightly adjust the mic here we go sip um, and with that, we should begin our spoilers. We will begin our spoilers. We already talked a long time. Is that what's good? See, people who do want spoilers got like 10 minutes of content right Exactly. There, there you go. Um, and now for the next two hours. <laughs> now, now, now we get two hours of spoiler talk. Um, God, I hope not. <laughs> but uh, I don't even know where I want to start. So. Okay, so let's talk about... Okay. I mean, so what, what do you think about... Let's, let's talk about like the overarching bit. So we mentioned before... Your sort of your key players here are are Captain America. Actually, I know where I want to start. I know where I'm going to start. Oh, he knows where he wants to start. Okay. Okay. So at this point, the big the big thing is that it involves a lot of time travel, right? You go back in time and all this other stuff. Oh no! No, no, no! I'm not going to point out what I consider an inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the only one, evidently. I have seen other people point it out. So it's because people are dumb and they don't understand time travel. They don't understand your head cannon is what they want. It's to not head cannon. Anyways, but that's not my point. Um, I will say though, being a like random sudden time travel story, it actually felt to me like most of this film actually reminded me of a TV show episode. So it was funny you mentioned closing seasons and other mm. stuff like that because I was reminded of like watching Stargate SG One when the crew would go back in time or something like that. And when a lot of sci-fi shows do that sort of time travel thing, I feel like they're 
they're usually meant to be fun, but I also find like they're the weakest because I hate a lot of the time travel tropes. Now, what Avengers Endgame does well is they intentionally use whatever mumbo jumbo they explain, like why it's not going to, like why their timeline's not going to be adjusted by going back and changing the past. That's effectively a get out of jail free card. So instead, like, it starts off with the usual, let's try not be noticed. And then they're like, nope, you are totally screwing things up. And we're going right. to have fun with this in every way we can. Right. So you, you, you have all of these moments that are in some ways fun character moments. You get to see how much Captain America has changed since he was thawed out of the ice. Like... I don't know. You what? get to where you get cat versus did cat. You, well, not even just that. Did I you, can do this all day. I know. Uh, not even that. The <laughs> first thing I noticed is he sees himself and he he he, he cusses. And this right. is the same man that in Age of Ultron language. Language. So we get a sense of like where Captain America was and where he is now. Um, that is America's ass. <laughs> one of the best lines. I'm so glad they had Ant-Man in this one. <laughs> I'm oh, so glad great. they saved him for this movie. <laughs> but um, you, you you have that kind of a moment. You have... Um, and Tar Tony Stark gets a very touching moment where he gets to speak with his dad. Kind of a deal. Like They're right. able to just be like, who cares? Time travel. And no laws because... Right. Like the timeline's right. not going to be affected. All right. So just before we get before we get to oh, I, I, before th let me just this is an actual you know real world quantum physics uh, version of time travel that I have I have read about before. Um, <laughs> so this is and uh, you can actually read oh, Wikipedia. I I it was a book I was reading that was I forget what it was called. But it was a like a fiction, and they were talking about all different kinds of quantum stuff. It was basically a sci-fi writer, you know, showing how much he knew about awesome stuff. And then I went and looked, found it on Wikipedia. The really brief version is this, and this is where I think mostly the Avengers are working off of in this movie. <laughs> so when you travel back in time to the past, where you actually are is in a timeline-adjacent bubble of those events. And so you're, you're participating in those events, you're seeing those events. When you leave, the bubble pops, and you were never there at all. So it's like you travel back through the quantum tube, and you can see the, all the events happen, like the reverberations of the events happen in the bubble. So you can see and interact with the events, but nothing ever happens. Now you have Infinity Stones in Marvel, which are somehow regulating the timeline, which are... Which, but it sort of allows you to have the same the same effect that you're traveling. That this is a, a real thing that people think that if you could travel into the past, that you would essentially see echoes and interact with echoes of the things that actually happened that caused your current timeline, and interact with those things and mess with those things and do whatever you want because as soon as you leave, pop. I don't want to get gone. into this because so, I but that's... still don't think that explains how Captain America at the very end of the movie. Okay. Time travels, and because remember, he said goodbye to Peggy Carter and Winter Soldier, and yet in this he goes back in time, remains in our timeline, and yet somehow What's manages that? to marry her, and therefore that somehow that event didn't happen, and yet did happen. 
That's what I'm saying, because he's not in the timeline. He didn't affect anything if, if, um, if... Except he did. No, listen, could, listen, listen, listen. If, did he just if, pop listen, back listen, in? Listen, listen, well, listen, listen. Well, Stop, did he listen. Pop back you in have to moment. listen to me. No, you have to listen to me. So if, if you, if, if at, if you had replayed the event, if you had gone to Peggy, Peggy Carter's funeral, old Steve Rogers was not there because he did not actually marry Peggy Carter. He married a timeline echo of Peggy Carter and got to experience a life with Peggy Carter that never actually happened. Now, technically speaking, I think in order for this to be totally 100% consistent, he would have had to travel back through the quantum tube to get back into the real timeline. And so he shouldn't, without having popped back in, he should not have been able to then have interacted with the real timeline again. I like my explanation better, which is that the writers just wanted to give him a send-off and shut up, stop thinking that hard about but it. It's totally, it's 100%, it's 100% consistent with Lucy, because otherwise, if it's not, then we've created a timeline where Loki has the Tesseract. We've created a timeline where Thanos yes, yes, yes. travels Imagine into the future. somehow time travel... It, it just introduces paradoxes by existing, like imagine. But, but here's the thing: they're never going to touch any of these things. So what makes more sense? Um, what makes more sense is acknowledging the meta that they just wanted to give Steve Rogers a farewell. Well, that's that was nice, and everyone okay. liked it. And who cares? So let's move on. I find it a fun little like, wait a minute, and you've got to go and be mm. like, I can explain this for the movie. I get, the only reason the only reason I had had no problem with the time travel is because I think it's ninety nine percent internally consistent with real world theories of how time travel might work, and the way that time travel is explained in the movie is consistent with those theories. There's no mention of branching timelines other than in the case of removing an infinity stone. There's no nobody says, oh no, we're gonna make another timeline if we do this or there's there's none of that. It's this there's one timeline. And what we do in the past doesn't have any effect on the future. Well, if anyone listening cared more than I do about these explanations, even though I raised the question with Steve in the first place, feel free to just let that explanation just sit with you. I, I don't I, I, care. I read some... My, and honestly, we'll find out as we go further because the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer has already indicated that there's going to be multiverses, which has me scared... Because it's like, oh, now we're going to start getting into the worst of comic books? <laughs> it's but not. It's not. It's Mysterio. Dude, we'll find we're in, out. We're in the spoiler cast. Mysterio is not from another universe. There are no giant monsters. Mysterio is using special effects, excuse me, and pyrotechnics and lies to make this all up. We'll find out. We'll find out, but that's... We'll find out. Even if there um, is a multiverse, remember, multiverse is not does not mean multiple timelines. True. And Marvel, and Marvel and DC, at least, in comics history. Well, especially because, I mean, the fact of the matter is, even the Marvel MCU has its own Earth designation number. Because that's how Marvel works. Like, right. Ultimate is its own multi Right, right, yeah. Like, in the Marvel... Com yeah, the MCU yeah, so exists in Marvel. so it's like, I, that's another reason why Sam like, Raimi, on, Sam Raimi Spider-Man films exist in the Marvel Comics continuity. Uh, so, so do the, uh, so the, do the other... Amazing Spider-Man. So yeah, it's. Who let's cares? just. Yeah, let's. The, the, I think the time travel is is pretty much internally consistent. It makes sense. Chris doesn't. I'll have to rewatch the movie and see, but I mean, it, 
whatever. Either way, I'm fine with the meta explanation of we just wanted to give Steve a nice farewell right. without having two characters. And like die. even with even with the the closest explanation, it still doesn't quite make sense. They wanted the dramatic tension of Steve on the bench, Steve on the bench, not the like. Say having old Steve appear, just walk up to him and be like, "Oh, I knew you'd be here." Yeah, like, yeah. They wanted the dramatic tension that he's on the bench, and somehow they didn't notice this old man sitting there until now. Which, again, if your well, bubble theory is correct, then that's when, like, basically, when he that moment's when the bubble pops and he's in the bench. right when he crosses back over with himself, the bubble pops, and now he's back in the timeline. That's why nobody saw. Which maybe. Maybe. I just don't want to think that hard about it because the movie clearly doesn't want me to. They spend right. a lot of time explaining boo, boo, boo on your paradox theories. We're going to have fun. Right. Because otherwise, the implications of Captain leaning in and saying, Hail Hydra, like, holy... And that's the thing. Yeah. Of 2012, Captain America would never have done that. Right. That's like that, And that's the funny thing. Like, right. we have... 2019 Captain America cusses, he's willing to lie and say Hail Hydra, and yet he's now, now, now he's worthy of Thor's hammer. Think about he that. Was, he was worthy all along. I know. <laughs> he was always worthy. Oh, I would, see, this is where I, I would get into, like, way too distracting digressions, because I think based on the events in Civil War, which revealed even he is not free of compromise... He was not yet worthy. He, civil war needed to happen for him to be fully worthy. But maybe that's a digression. A long conversation. And one of the reasons why civil and I still think after Infinity War, I still think Civil War is my favorite. Like I know a lot of people say Winter Soldier. Civil War, I think, is the best Marvel movie we've gotten so far. But I that's think, my personal uh, preference. Because it's it's a movie that I I it it it, it speaks to me, man. Okay, so yeah, uh, uh, but we're not. Ra- this we're is not, not the rank. It's not, not the ranking rank of the definitive ranking of the movies. Yeah, but so, um, okay. So let's talk about a little bit. So, so obviously, we, we've seen a lot of ways Steve Rogers has has evolved, and one of the ways that I think I heard somebody describe it as was that he's loosened up first. Well, not that he's loosened, not just that, but that what he needed to do for his character to develop was that he needed. To learn to and almost be less selfless, that he needed to actually do something that was just for him, that for his benefit. Whereas Tony, what Tony's always struggling with is his tendency is to be selfish, and so over the course of however many films we've had that have featured featured him, he learned to be more and more selfless. And until he basically, at the end of the movie, he makes the ultimate sacrifice to save the universe. Whereas Captain America, who would have done it? He would have made the ultimate sacrifice if he had the chance. He would have made the play. He would have made the play. But what what he gets to do, he gets to then, where where he's lived a whole life of sacrifice, he's now gets to go live out a normal life, the life that he had robbed from him, essentially. He got the life that was robbed from him. It is unfortunate Tony Stark only got five years of what he and Pepper Potts have been trying. And I think the only reason Gwyneth Paltrow was able to come back... Because remember, she wasn't even in um, Civil War. Like yeah. It feels like after Iron Man 3, Gwyneth Paltrow was kind of like done. But That was then, the impression I got. Then Spider-Man Homecoming... I guess they're like, okay, you're going to be done soon. 
So they were able to get her back a little bit. Um, because otherwise, Civil War, it feels a little weird because she's kind of just not there. And her absence is like, it makes it seem like she left Tony. Yeah. But. There's at least some kind of disagreement. But uh, so th- there is there there is if you look back at these going to be some little rocks and bumps that it's like because of contracts and negotiations and other things. But yeah. Um, well, so then we got so so we got that, and then we have perf- we have the Hulk arc. Well, I wasn't even done with Tony. Yeah, done with Tony. Okay, you Tony. Sorry. Because that that's the thing. Like Tony, and and really this this has been about Tony and Captain America. They have been the two biggest yeah. of the the. The, and part of that's by design. Part of that, again, I think is by chance because it's kind of a miracle that a comic character that only comic book readers would be that familiar with, and like the few people that watched the cartoon of Iron Man, like nobody Iron, knows Iron, Iron Man. Iron Man was nobody, yeah. Iron, nobody knows Iron Man, except actually even in like Marvel vs. Capcom 2, who played as Iron Man? Only comic book fans. So you, you you have this character that is not like Spider-Man. Even like X-Men, you had people our age that grew up with a cartoon. And the cartoon was probably bigger than almost any other Marvel cartoon. Well, yeah, so, so again, at that point, by the 90s, so Spider... Basically, Spider-Man by, was, the, by the late 70s and the 80s, you're, you're... Like, Iron Man and Thor and were big in, like, the 60s. Um, by the time you're through the 70s, uh, X-Men, or Spider-Man, Hulk, and then the X-Men are your three key Marvel properties. And, and so, when, again, when we, we've gone to do our Marvel launched this thing, they launched it with partial rights to Hulk, no rights to Spider-Man, and no rights to the X-Men. And so they're bringing out the third string to start the game. Yeah, and it's kind of amazing they managed it. But it also goes just... It is a testament to Robert Downey Jr. as well. Right. Robert Downey Jr. I think brought a lot of charisma. John Favreau. Clearly a fan of the comics. Clearly a fan of... And of mm. course, Kevin Feige. Feige, I think is his name. Thank you. Kevin Feige Feige. Him being a guy with Hollywood experience, but also was a big fan of the comics. And they, they, they just started well with an understanding of the character, what they wanted to do, how they wanted to adapt familiar stories. Like... They didn't want to have Tony Stark the alcoholic, but they definitely wanted Tony Stark the flawed individual that has that moment that turns him into a good guy. Yeah. And by focusing on the character especially, they managed to really make it work. And 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 again, Robert Downey Jr. is part of the reason. And so this film with Endgame... You know what's going. You know Robert Downey Jr. is done with the role. Robert Downey Jr. is done, and there's the sneaking suspicion either Cap or Iron Man or both are dying. And yet, I really like how they managed to do this with Tony Stark because they really did. Like, even Cap doesn't feel like he's essential to it as Tony Stark. Tony Stark is the essential. Time travel does not work without Tony Stark, and it's all. Tony Stark wanting to be selfish, but what's the big thing that happened in that first movie? Tony Stark finally stopped, like, proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Right. From the very first movie, when he finally stopped being completely selfish. 
and Avengers was that big step. You know, you never be the one to make the sacrifice play. You want, you know, I'd, right. rather, I'd rather just yeah. cut the wire kind of a thing. And here we build up to he does make the sacrifice play. He doesn't want to. He clearly doesn't. But, and that's one of the reasons why I love the Doctor Strange moment, because we were talking about it a bit, mm. where... Um, he asks Strange, you know, is this the is this the right. one that you saw? Doctor Strange says, "I can't let you if know." If I told you, it I won't told be you, here. Or won't be. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can understand why even Doctor Strange says that because you can tell the moment that Tony Stark realizes what needs to be done. It's his t Stark tech that the stones are in. He looks to Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange says, "One." This is the one timeline. It basically confirms it there. Mm. And what that difference is, is Tony Stark realizing, I need to grab the stones and snap. And that's going to kill Tony Stark. And he's going to make the big sacrifice. And again, like it, it's, it's one of those things that again, like what I mean by like, if you haven't watched all the previous movies, because this is the guy that they started this with. Right. And that's probably why, you know, like, Black Widow doesn't get the funeral. Uh, who else died in this movie? Like, I don't know. And also even in the last movie, because it is like, okay, Loki is gone for good. Um, Gamora isn't, isn't. Right. Uh, Black Widow's now gone for good. Um, I feel like, oh, Vision's gone for good. Right. But... They gave Tony the big funeral where everybody showed up because he's the one that made this all possible. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, and especially, right, if you've never, if you haven't watched all the previous films, yeah, it doesn't, it definitely, that, there's no arc for Tony. Or they, yeah. they still, they still sort of did it where Tony is, he's... He didn't encounter his past self, but he also does get that moment with his dad. But that's right, right. even I mean, that's a little different. Because I mean, but you start you start off the movie and he's he's fed up, he's done. Yes. Um, then you get a little bit further in, and he's kind of like, you know what? I'm, ha he... I'm happy. Like I know every I know the world sucks for everyone, but I'm well, it's I'm not living even that. I'm living off in my little corner, and I'm happy, and I'm not going to give this up. The very possibility of time travel, he can't let that go. He tells them yeah. no, he still runs the simulations. And this was actually something that, yeah, that I I sort of predicted, but it didn't really go the way I thought it would go. And that is that a character, most likely Tony, would have to risk the idea or live with the, the fate that they would travel back in time to fix the snap and lose a child from it. A future child would be erased from the timeline by their decision. That's something that Marvel Comics have done in the past. They didn't go there in Endgame. He was basically like, I'm not gonna, if, if we keep everything the same as it is now and we bring everybody back. He but was now, not ready to... It's a different kind of tragedy because now his child does not have he, right. For five years, he got to experience that life that he... And that's the thing. It, Infinity War sets it up. And for, Infinity War makes sure you're ready for it. He's no more surprised, you know. He, he and Pepper... Like, the whole thing is he needs to stop being Iron Man. And he couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't stop being Iron Man. And it's... I mean, uh, not to the very, to the very end, right? 
And the funny thing is, even his argument from Age of Ultron still exists. The suit around the world. like really? The argument from Civil War still exists. He and Steve still don't completely see eye to eye on how to uh, have prevented this kind of a problem. And the funny thing is, I do think at the same time... Because I, I think after... I think in our podcast for Infinity War, I mentioned sacrifice, loss. Like, everyone's fighting the idea mm-hmm. of sacrifice. Nobody wants to sacrifice 50%. Everyone's forced to make a decision, though. Everyone is forced to make that make Thanos' decision in some way. That's the running theme in Infinity War. In this film, it's not as clear, but if I go back, I'm wondering if that, like, because what does Thanos say? I am inevitable. I think inevitability is what, and that's even right. why at the end, like, it's letting you know, you're going to fight Thanos still. As long as those Infinity Stones are around, right. you're fighting Thanos. Everything, well, and, and, and everything that happened in this movie was inevitable from Doctor Strange's perspective, right? He set into motion the end game, the one path that would that would result would allow in allow so every success. every single right, every single thing. Thanos discovering Nebula, the future Nebula in the past, and you know whatever else, the Rat freeing Ant Man yep. from the thing, and everything. All of this was inevitable, and then, and then finally, Tony himself becoming being the the suit of armor around the world when he says, "I am Iron Man," and snaps his fingers. fingers. That Tony's Tony is the is the armor around the world, essentially, and that's so. That was all. It was all inevitable. That was the one. The one. The only way this could have happened. I, I, I want to see the movie again now. <laughs> like, as they're talking about it, it's like I want to watch uh, it's, it again. It's so good. Um, but so, so I think I think we've we've covered well, Iron Man. There, there is one thing you mentioned though that I actually wanted to. You mentioned Nebula, and actually that that I really liked. Uh, like the whole Nebula, okay? Because remember, if you recall, last year. Before I watched Infinity War, I watched like the Red Letter Media review of it. And when I found out that everybody got dusted, or half the cast got dusted, I actually was really angry because I was like, they're just going to bring everyone back like in the comic. Nobody stays dead. That's bullcrap. All of that weight, who cares about it? And now, of course, it turns out I was wrong. They did find a way to keep a lot of that permadeath. Mm-hmm. Um, they undid all the people that were dusted but those are also all like, as I pointed out they were all the people that are getting sequels anyway so it's right. like, okay no, and nobody expected that Spider-Man was that, oh or, especially because Far From Home was already announced right nobody expected that Black Panther after you know making over a billion on a solo film was gonna yeah. was gonna stay dead um, so yeah you have all of that and then I mean, you have all this. Um, but that's the thing. Watching the movie, I was like, okay, I like it. I like what they do. But I was curious on what they would do. And I think my one of my predictions was they were going to change. Because if you remember the Affinity Gauntlet comic, Nebula's kind of frail. Basically, Thanos just has her there to witness. Be like, ah, look. Witness as I succeed at this. Right. And it's when he has all the stones and is this infinite kind of power and everything. He's not paying attention to his mortal body. Nebula steals the gauntlet and takes it for herself. And her inability to handle it is what is also her downfall. They don't go that direction, but I was expecting her to definitely play a hand in 
Thanos' downfall and that mm. he would, at the very end, be proud of her. Like, that would be one of his last lines to her or something like that. Like, I'm finally proud of you or something, or you're finally able to do blah, blah, blah. And it would be, like, a, a character moment. Now, they didn't go that route, obviously. Yeah. But they still managed to have her play a pivotal role in an interesting, like, there's two of me in the same timeline way. And yeah. I really liked how they did that, and I really want there to be more Nebula. Like, and, more, and it looks like we're going to get more, more she's Nebula. She's going to be more part of the Guardians, it looks like, because I really like this character, and it doesn't feel like any movie she's in, she gets enough screen time. Even though she gets yeah. a lot in Guardians yeah. 2. Well, she, and she really got, comparatively... She got a lot in, in this one. In this one as well. I wanted her and Don Cheadle's War Machine to like her and Rhodey to like team up. I yeah. want because that 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 moment because usually Rhodey's a bit of a straight man. Yeah. He like he will make jokes and stuff, but he's not as comedic. He's a little as bit more Tony dry. Stark. Yeah. He's a little bit more dry. But when you pair him with Nebula, who is the like the straightest of straight yeah women, I guess like. It, it, it works so well because he's very serious only making occasional comments and she is just like no reference to earth like earth references yeah. no earth like no humor really at all she's just very straightforward very blunt it works it's a great pairing I was like I want more of this so <laughs> yeah, I, don't we, we, I don't know if we'll get that but we probably cool. won't but we'll at least get her as part of the guardians it looks like yeah. which does make me wonder i feel like they left gamora open because like i remember at our table someone was wondering if she went back to her timeline after all that like after the snap it looks like she went off to do her it could be she went off to do her own thing i think they're gonna leave it open uh peter quill obviously has reason to go looking for her and stuff like that but i think for that they let they wanted to leave it open because who knows what Zoe Zaldana is going to be doing? She's actually a decent, decent enough popular right, actress, kind of a thing. Granted, so is Chris Pratt at this point. So it's a bunch of these people. So it's not like these, like, like a lot of these actors aren't sitting around doing nothing. But um, I think they got her open, and now that leads me. Speaking of the new Guardians of the Galaxy, want to talk about Thor? Thor. Want to talk about Thor? Let's talk about Thor. Okay, so let's talk about Thor real quick because Thor was. So he had some great bits in the Avengers, right? Yes. But for the most part, his first two solo films were a little... Pretty much some of the lowest in reception. Sort of, yeah, sort of low points. Um, I, I enjoy the first Thor. I enjoy the second Thor as well. Um, but they're not... The funny thing about the second Thor is that's the most forgettable to me. Like, yeah. It's like that movie that is like, yeah, I watched that. What happened again? Something about and, and like the, and they they totally about dust like red dust and they the, totally that's one where they totally like botched the villain, which was that was remember remember when Marvel's problem, a great actor and yeah they yeah remember when Marvel's problem was that their villains were bad that Loki was the only good villain in Marvel yeah and now like because they were focused so much more on the heroes is why really. right but then then I feel like you know that they they really solved that problem in in the late I guess phase three. Would that be like Ragnarok, Black Panther? Uh, Black Panther, I have mixed feelings because I really wish the latter half of the film was the whole film and they gave more time to it. Like, like okay. Anyway, anyway, so, but that was at the height of, of 
of Marvel's lame villain problem. And it was especially made, it was made much worse by the fact that Malekith is this like manic, um, over the top villain in the comics. And he was played so straight and boring uh, in the film. But anyway, so. so he would have worked better, because like, even Ronan feels more eccentric than him, but only because Ronan is so super serious. It's like Devil May Cry. Yeah. Ronan is the super serious villain that's trying to tell you how he's going to eat your bones and spit out your ashes or whatever. Yeah. And meanwhile, like, you have a whole bunch of Dantes that are like, dance off, buddy! Yeah. Come on! <laughs> yeah. And it's, 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 like, that, that, Gar- like, that villain worked for Guardians of the Galaxy because he's able to be made a joke of. Right. Thor the Dark World doesn't have that because... Thor himself, like even and though they, they have comedy elements, they, he's still serious enough. Yeah, and they, from, they haven't really worked it out yet. And for me, I think it's better this direction that Thor now becomes right. a guardian. Right. No, we'll get to that, but I think the biggest reason is because Kenneth Branagh was the only one able to do the fantasy element drama. I, I remember just going into Dark World and the dialogue, the acting and stuff. It's like, it didn't seem right whenever they were in Asgard. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel the same. It didn't feel as good as Brana's right. ability to deliver that kind of drama. And well, so that was kind of hamstrung in the first Thor by, I think, budgetary reasons. So they didn't want to spend a whole movie in Asgard. He's in a town. Right, which is very expensive to do, and so instead, like they they go to this small town. It's a fish out of right, water because this wasn't this wasn't the MCU yet. This was Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk, which was actually produced by Universal, and then Iron Man two, and Iron Man two. And so, so it was very right. It was still, and that's the thing. As small scale as this as these films started, Thor feels really small in comparison to the others. When you think about like. When you're not in Asgard, you're on a TV set, basically. Right. You're in a small Podoc town, and when you're not in the town, you're yeah. in just the desert. Like this is right. that, that yeah. had to have been what that was. Yeah, that was obviously that was budget, and and regardless, so Thor Thor was a character who sort of got a rough start, and then with Ragnarok, they made him a guardian of the galaxy, basically. Well, yeah, but they they sort of they sort of turned it around. And they made, they made Thor interesting. Um, Thor has a problem with... He has a little bit of a Superman problem. He has a little bit of a familiarity problem. Um, being based on, on a fairly popular mythology. Um, yes. And being super OP in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and they, they, they fixed that in Ragnarok, I think. With a great big helping of tragedy... And they sort of they sort of redeveloped Thor. They took Thor to rock bottom. Everyone you know is dead. He started from the bottom. Now he's here. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you know your hammer's broken. Everything you know is dead. Everyone you know is dead. And then they they built him back up. Only then to bring him back a couple of notches in Infinity War. It also took like, that long to give him his traditional helmet. Well, he had the helmet in one in Thor one. He had the helmet. He just never and wears the helmet. They knew the helmet looked goofy, and so they just didn't make him wear it. I have to watch the first movie again. Yeah, he has the like, helmet. The weird thing is, this actually this movie did make me want to go back and just watch, watch them all. The old movies. We're thinking about watching them all with the kids, and then if they can get through all the movies, then we'll go take them to the theater to see Infinity War. Or not Infinity War, Endgame. But it'll anyway, take a while, but... It'll take a while. 
Uh, it's a good plan. So, so anyway, so in Infinity War, you basically built him up to the point where he's just like, like I rewatched the the scene where he shows up in Wakanda in Infinity War, and he's just like, like before he even shows up, Stormbreaker shows up, and is just like saves everyone's lives, like like Banner in the Hulkbuster armor is about to get killed, Stormbreaker knocks everybody off. You know, whatever, Captain America's pinned down, Stormbreaker knocks everybody off. Like, he's already saved, like, multiple, everybody's lives, and then he shows oh, up. Oh, God. <laughs> and then he just destroys everything, almost kills Thanos, and... So what you're saying is he served the same purpose in Infinity War that Captain Marvel kind of serves in this movie. Right. Well, no, because he <laughs> Kind has, of. I've well, always... he has a big arc where he has to get over all of this stuff. You know, he bears the power of a star... As he, yes. all this, all this other stuff, and then Endgame starts, and he kills Thanos, and he walks out the door, and the oh, next you know, time that explains we explains th everything then, because he let himself go for five years, so of course he's not going to be as strong as he used to be. Right. So he's just well, he was thinking about though. So from from that perspective, he's just spent all the all he's done in in the in the last so leading up to Infinity War, the last like month or whatever is is get stronger, get more powerful, and get madder. And then, where he kills Thanos, nothing's matter. The Avengers get to live up to their name. They have avenged. Half the universe dies, and it has been avenged. And that's it. And the next time we see Thor, he looks like melted ice cream. <laughs> and and, 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 as, as I and told then he basically you. proceeds to do nothing for the entire movie except for be a little bit overweight and, and this is kind of drunk. This is where I talk to you that I, I I feel like the downside to this, and I do think Thor actually did get the worst of it in terms of development and everything. Like even in this movie, his character development throughout because throughout. Three separate movies, each with a gap between them. Thor goes through a lot of loss. And the loss that they emphasize in this film is his mom, who happened a no, long no, no, time no, ago. No, 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 no. You're wrong. They don't emphasize the loss. She's just the, she's just the, the best person. If you're picking somebody from throughout time, they don't emphasize the mom at all. They just... By Okay, but, by choosing her to be the words of wisdom, that's who they emphasize. Because hey, well, what does he say? He talks about not wanting to go through that again. He, he doesn't want to lose his mom again. But the thing is, you don't, you don't get as naturally the progression because all of these movies have been separated in a lot of ways. He just lost all of his best buds. His dad's right. dead. That's the first, and he loses his city. That's Ragnarok. And immediately after they all go into space on the ship with the promise of finding a new Asgard, Thanos invades and kills half his people, including his brother, who he just made amends with. He's finally on good terms with his brother, and his brother gets killed. And, of course, Heimdall dies. Right. And then he gets his new Stormbreaker. He comes to Earth. He tries to kill Thanos. You should have aimed for the head. Boom, that failure is now all on, on, on Thor, or so he probably perceives. Hence, the chopping off of the head, and now Thor lets himself go, doesn't even want to hear the name Thanos again. Like, 
Thor is now in a, in, in a point where, like, basically he's try, he thinks back to his glory days of, like, oh, yeah, um, Natalie Portman, I can't remember, the, Jane Foster, right. like, oh, Jane, yeah, we used to date, and it's like, it sounds like the, you know, the fat uncle that keeps talking about his glory days in high school, like, but that's the thing, like, when they go back in time... Okay, so are he's you... treated too much of a joke for you to really get this serious element of his arc. So okay, so I, I and then, think... okay, I don't want to say he's treated too much of a joke, but he's too much of a comic relief. Right. So, so I think I, I mean, I when don't, he's I the comic love... relief paired up with Rocket, think about that. I mean, they kind of did that a little bit. They they they, they messed with that a little, played with that a little bit in Infinity War too. Where he, where, where Thor's presence makes Rocket change, he he does something anyway. So, so I think from from the perspective of you're specifically calling out the issue with with his mom being the person, and so I think there's a couple things. So, who do we have if Thor's going to have a conversation with somebody like this? And we have to make it make sense in the overall plotting of the movie, too. We can't just, like, make it somebody... Like, we can't, uh, you know, whatever. However, so... Okay, so Odin... He could have a talk with Odin, right? But he just did that in Ragnarok. He did. He had he had his little his little heart-to-heart with Odin. He won't be able to talk to Loki at that time because of Loki's... But that's the thing, they right. just walk right past Loki. He doesn't even mourn the he's, loss of his brother. Like, he, he can't... It's he, been he it's been five it's been five years. It's been five years, and him and Loki did not have a great. He's watched Loki die before too, and he mourned Loki, and then Loki came back, and now. But this time Loki it, was following on the good path. Right, like, he's different. Okay, but, but, well, well, but I can understand. You understand that uh, that in the sense of, and he didn't. He wasn't. He didn't look for his mother initially. He was going for the beer. This is true. He was, he was going, going for the, the beer, beer, and and his mother finds him. And, well, no, no, he does. Uh, yes and no, he does both because he, he follows his mom. Remember? Yeah, the sort of he sees his mom and the. No, he's trying arch. to get away from her, and she finds him. He's following. No, her no, no he bit. finds she. He's avoiding. He's going. Both to the, happens. Both. I, I'm. We can watch it again. She finds him, and then she does. and then she has, and that's the one person that he never got. He didn't really get closure with his mother. His mother is killed. Suddenly, and I think there's something. He didn't clo- get closure with his best friends either. Yeah, but they were like they were more like drinking buddies. They weren't like, uh, and then he went to war with them, and they they were, they drank and ate together. I don't expect they were always ready to die. At some you think point? Volstag is gonna is gonna show up and give uh, Thor a good pep talk? But the thing like, is, it doesn't matter about the pep talk. I think for me, he even the idea of going back to Asgard, going back to there. And knowing that he's got to kiss it goodbye. Or, like, him wanting to, like... Basically, I feel like there needed to be a desire for him to stay in the past. That he would have tried to sabotage it and stayed there rather than carrying out the mission. But he's still, Because he's just going back to something that's still going to suck. But he's, he's still, still lost he's, it all. He's still a hero, though. That's the thing. He's still worthy. He never stopped being worthy. He's just... He's just in a really bad place. And as a result, it just comes off too comic relief. 
And that's that's I again I don't love the Thor. This is where again it's Thor's the weakest because again like I'm sitting here explaining I understand what they're trying to do. I think they could have done it better. Is all I'm saying. Thor is one of the I actually is one of my favorite comic characters. He's one of my favorite MCU characters. Like Thor is the sort of thing I actually have like a hardcover volume of one of my favorite Thor arcs from the comics and like I really so don't get me wrong and I have the. the unworthy Thor. I love the whole unworthy Thor thing. That was a great. Uh, they could have done a little bit with it here. Thor does get a little chubby looking in the unworthy Thor, but he looks more like um, more strong man than melted ice cream. Um, anyway, I digress. So I don't love it. And then he shows up at the end. Um, and he's the least effective Avenger against Thanos. I wouldn't say that. Okay, but, well, okay, look, Captain America is like, like, you know. Wait, was it, I know this is kind of off topic, was it, because I heard people mentioning it, did Thanos hold the Mjolnir at some point? No, Thanos holds Stormbreaker, Stormbreaker doesn't have a worthy clause. Okay. Okay, because I heard some people talking about him holding Mjolnir, and I'm trying to remember, like, how could I not have reacted to that? Yeah, Thanos gets a hold of Stormbreaker, which was never made with a worthy clause or anything like that. Yeah. And Odin enchanted Mjolnir, not not Stormbreaker. So, yeah. So, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, well, he's mostly... I mean, what, what happens to him after Cap, after Cap gets uh, Mjolnir? I feel like he doesn't really engage Thanos after that point. Possibly not. He is still inga- involved in the battle, but even then, he's not calling thunder like he did, as you said in Infinity. War. Right, like Infinity War, which where... could be because now that he's dad bod Thor, he he's just he doesn't have like he used to. He doesn't have it like he used to. He's got to get back yeah. into the. the he's got to the... get back into shape. He's got to go tour the galaxy. He's got to go to Planet Fitness. <laughs> and, well, because he'd also just learn. Yeah. Anyway, so so but Thor Thor kind of. If, if you were hoping for, you know... But he's the one that's clearly still going to keep coming back. Right. Like, and I, I wondered about that, because of all the actors, like, Chris Hemsworth the one, is the one that you never heard anything about, like, contracts or anything, and he just seems to love doing these movies. Yeah. Like, I feel like Chris Hemsworth is like, why would I stop being Thor? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> who would stop being <laughs> Thor? Like, come on. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. Also, I think one thing I like about the whole, the 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 whole fat Thor. I like calling him Dad Bob Thor. He's not really that fat, and he's still pretty muscular. As a fat boy like I, like me, like I, yeah. I, yeah, he's not really that fat. I looked at him like, oh, that's not that bad. I wish I could look like that. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm trying to get yeah. to, man. <laughs> Thor's like goals, man. No, um, but I I think it's fun. It's a little bit fun because. Like, I'm sure you've seen, like, the meme where it's like, uh, oh, my friend says she likes the Avengers movies for the plot. And then it has a picture of, of Thor of shirtless from Ragnarok or something like that. And then it has, like, the stuff of, little does she know, the plot thickens. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Oh, but, that's clever. I like that. I like that. <laughs> but, oh. but so you have this, there was this sort of, the, his physical appearance was a sort of a draw for the movies and and sort of a you know that okay like I, I even heard him talked about in conversations where um, you're talking about how now in, in a lot of movies it used to be the men could get away with being a little bit chubby or not being as fit like if you wouldn't see 
You wouldn't see a chubby woman in an action role, but you might see a slightly out of shape man. That you look back at like a, a Roger Moore James Bond or something like that, and he's he's like fit. That's sort of the change of the eighties. Yeah, I mean that's that really did. Um, but so a lot, a lot and people, especially because I mean, look, well, you think about well, you as think, a hairy fat guy, the Marvel movies have been up there as not only fit but hairless. So I'm just right. sitting here like. Okay, but well, that's two against you me. You had like, your sort of, you had your sort of your Arnold Schwarzenegger, Stallone types, but then you still had like your Bruce Willis types, who, who is still he's or he's 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 act he's, he's what a guy looks like when you act he's, he's what like, an actual guy off of steroids looks like when he goes to the gym. Right, he's like right, he's like an actual guy who works out, um, you know, doesn't eat keto or paleo or whatever else, but, but he like, still doesn't have dad bod. Right. But so, and you went from that, I think some people said that, you know, the, the sort of, the, the turning moment was, uh, we talked about James Bond before, Casino Royale, Daniel Craig coming out of the water in his, like, skimpy band trunks and looking all muscular. That was, like, a, a turning moment where it was, like, now we're looking at a man through the female gaze. And the Hemsworth gets mentioned in those conversations, too, for always having a little bit of that fan service in the Thor movies. Uh, For once, I'm not going to be the one putting my foot in my mouth because I don't want to touch this conversation <laughs> with a 25,000 anyway, foot pole. Anyway, so... I don't want to touch it with... <laughs> I don't want to touch it by launching me on air at it, man. I don't want... So anyway... You could get it all into the so game. Yeah, I am telling you that this is, this is part of the conversation that these films are mentioned in. And so you subvert that by taking your sort of... your most... Look, all I'm going to say is I actually have a couple of women I know that I wanted to I wanted to contact to be like, so is this like the, the the version of Thor you really like? Because they've been very vocal about liking dad bods. So now uh, there's a Thor for every woman. Now there, there is a Thor. So for that's every all woman. I'm going to say about that. So nice. Anyway, so <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll leave off that conversation there. I think it's interesting the the you know making him out of shape, making him a little chubby, like. And there's more. I just think it's there's, there's layers to it. There's a little bit of a meta thing to it too, not just getting laughs in the movie, but also poking. Well, I, have, I have no doubt that Chris Hemsworth was like, oh, see that that's the thing. It's not a fat suit. Like, did they use a double and then like superimpose his face using computers? Because I don't know. Ever, ever he's, ever not, since... he's not Christian Bale, you know. He's not going to put on 100 pounds for the role or 50 pounds or whatever. Yeah, so I have no idea. Uh, well, there will be a special features on the Blu-ray. I'm sure, yeah. About how they made Chris Hemsworth fat. Now that we've spent all this time talking about Fat Thor, yes. we can talk about Spider-Man. He is in the end of the film. He is. So, He's okay. So this is something I wanted to talk about that we didn't really get. So maybe this will be a good way to wrap it up. Who are the, who are the characters... So we've already kind of talked about the best, some of the best represented characters. So who do the characters you think have it the best, and who are the characters that you think sort of get a little bit of, of a raw deal or don't get as much screen time as you expected? Um, uh, Obviously, Captain America, Iron Man are the, are the stars of the show. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and not necessarily for the reasons people might think. Um, I wasn't at all affected by Black Widow's demise for two reasons. One of which being the meta, which is like, but wait a minute, she's got a movie coming out. And the second one being, didn't we just do this? 
almost shot for shot. Didn't you just do this last movie? Parallels. <sighs> you mean like a new hope in Force Awakens? Come on. No, I, I'm. No, I. I, I okay, so I, I it didn't. It didn't. The, the only difference is that it was a self-sacrifice, and it's it was almost comedic. It's like. Well, that whole fight scene is it's sort of, yeah. It's like, I'm going to, yeah, like Hawkeye and Black Widow finally fight. And it's to see who can toss themselves over the cliff better. Yeah. And like, so I think, I think they basically, they wound it up with a choice there. Is either two movies in a row, we leave a powerful woman bleeding dead, uh, smashed at the bottom of a cliff. Or in one movie, we leave two family men as deceased fathers and leave their children fatherless. And I think they went for let's kill another woman rather than let's add, leave more fatherless children in the Well, world. they also, they, they did at least set it up a bit because after the five years, Scarlet jo Black Widow is sitting at the desk trying to fix things, trying to lead Avengers HQ because... She doesn't have anything else she can do. Right. She so doesn't think, know what else she can and do. And that is why Hawkeye needed to die and not Black Widow. Because Hawkeye dying means more to Black Widow than Black Widow dying means to Hawkeye. Because Hawkeye is part of the only family that Black Widow has. Whereas, whereas when Black Widow dies, Hawkeye gets to leave and go home and be with his real family because he had already abandoned the Avengers to be with his real fa real family. That's almost a whole other discussion. Well, it's a whole other discussion, but I, so I he, well, what you got to understand from me on this point is I've never understood why people have been, other than the fact that she was the the the, the one woman at the time, why people have been dead set on a Black Widow movie, especially after we got character like. Because for me, Black Widow, her character arc was done. We already know from the first Avengers. She had Red in her ledger, Red in her ledger, but now she doesn't care. Like she used to be a murderer. Her and Cliff, like she's been saved, and her arc effectively is Avengers. She has a purpose. She has good she can do. And they touch on it in the other movies. And the the best argument I can see is because when you think about, okay, let me try and figure out what is Black Widow's character. Most uh, most of the time. She's kind of defined by her relationships to the other men of the group. So, what's a Black Widow movie going to be? What's her arc going to be? What are you going to do with it? Maybe that would have been the time to... Well, then again, it's again with the men. Because, like, my thing is, I don't feel the relationship between her and, uh, and Hawkeye anyway. They... Give us enough information. Ever hey man, since Budapest. Avengers. Budapest. Exactly, Budapest. Like, they give you enough. You know that they have a background, but there's, like, especially because Hawkeye's a minor character. And think about, like, Hawkeye's development is having a family and then being predicted to be, because Joss Whedon wanted to play around. It's like, oh yeah, Hawkeye, he's definitely the one that dies, you know, only five days to retirement. And no, we're going to kill Quicksilver. Like, that yeah. was, which is the bargain from Fox. Fox gets Quicksilver, Marvel gets Scarlet Witch. Right. Um, but that's the thing, like, you, you have, you need to develop 
and, and, and in my mind, like, what I would have loved to see is after Civil War, Scarlet Witch goes on her own journey of self-discovery kind of a thing, but maybe have Black Widow there as the mentor to be helping her, to be like, here's right. how you, you get just... rid of your regret. Like, like yeah. here's how you yeah. learn to move on from your regrets. And now they have a sisterly relationship or something, but, like, otherwise, like, Black Widow is a character that I feel like... And maybe out of necessity. Like we've talked about too long. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe out of necessity. So, so you think? Like, so you think? Wait. So do you think Black Widow got a raw deal? Or it, you... Maybe she did. Maybe she did because like that's supposed to be an impactful scene. But for me, I'm just like, you guys just did that. But I thought you said her movie's not a prequel. Well, which multiverse? So who well, knows? No, 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 not, not multiverse. This is my. I think. I think actually. You think that's a that's a I misdirection? Think post, well, I don't know. I think post movie like comments and stuff and interviews have refuted this theory but I'm saying you know Captain America returned the Soul Stone which she traded her life for so I think now there's nothing keeping them from somehow bringing her back and we've got we've got a post credit scene in Spider-Man Far From Home for her to like wake up on an alien planet and then the Guardians could pick her up bring her home do a standalone movie. Or not. Oh, that's your prediction. Okay. I'm just saying that's a thing that can happen. That's right. The director said... Do we said, know what movie's coming after Spider-Man Far From Home or is it all still Untitled Marvel? I think it's still Untitled Marvel, but some people are actually saying the Black Widow movie is next. Because so we'll that's have to current, find out. They, they, we'll have to find out. They, they've been hiding their roadmap ever since... Because uh, they never want to... They don't want people to know yeah. what happens after Endgame. Um, and also, they're probably they were probably still figuring it out too. Yeah, but um, but so okay, so who, otherwise, raw deal. Um, actually, Mark Ruffalo is kind of an open-ended book, isn't he? Yeah, I feel like if he's going to show up again, because in some ways he's got his closure. He's he's got his moment of Zen. He is now Zen with the Hulk. He is the credible Hulk. He always checks and cites his sources and. And he just, there's, he didn't really, he didn't do much hulking. In no, the movie. he didn't actually. He, that, that is actually, because, yeah. He held I up, mean, he a, held he held up, up a heavy, heavy thing. thing. But then even in the battle, you didn't get to see him do anything. Right. Which is what I was talking about. They sort of, the, um, they, they did this, the Superman and a team up movie, or team up event, to Hulk and, and also to Thor, where basically you just need to come up with a way. To weaken or incapacitate this character so that somebody else can do something for once. Yeah. So Hulk does the snap, can't use his arm, and then also is holding up a building for most of the big the climactic fight scene. Thor is got fat and lazy and is apparently at, you know, like power level 10, where he was at like power level 10,000. In the last movie. But to fill in the gap comes... I mean, that, that's the thing. Filling that's, in, her, in the gap is really Captain Marvel in a way. Because she just got... And, and because I, I had to hear about all the rumors about the the endgame is going to be awful because Captain, Amer Captain Marvel is just going to come in and like wreck Thanos. Or they're doing reshoots because... Captain Marvel's gonna do awful, or they're doing reshoots because blah blah blah. Like I had to hear all those rumors. I had to hear all that crap. So unfortunately, watching this movie, I couldn't get none of that out of my head. But they actually, in a lot of ways, evidently, my understanding is even she's nerfed. 
Because, like, think about it. If she's got all this power, she basically did a chokehold on Thanos in the beginning, and that was it. And then at the end, she blew up a ship. But even then, like, she wasn't able to beat Thanos. So, so that... Uh, th- okay, so, 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 but, so the nature of Captain Marvel's power, part of the nature of it at least, is energy, absorption, and then redirection. So she flies in. So she's able to absorb, you know, just like solar energy or whatever else. So she flies in. She absorbs a whole bunch of missile explosions. So that doesn't hurt her. That charges her up. So now she can punch through a ship. And she's still charged up. But she just used a lot of energy punching a hole in a ship. And now she comes... So just thinking about Captain Marvel as a... Not as just a totally OP hero... But as somebody with some limitations and some mechanics to it. So now she lands. She's exerting energy in a fight with Thanos. And now Thanos is using not explosions and energy, but kinetics to knock her out of the fight. And so that's sort of... I I find that as a comic nerd, as a sufficient explanation... Not nerfed, but... She's... Right. She has... Her powers have limitations and functions... In Captain Marvel, the movie Captain Marvel, and now in this, we've only seen her do, you know, super incredible stuff after absorbing a lot of energy. She absorbs, in Captain Marvel, Ronan launches nukes at Earth, and she flies through the nukes, explodes them all, absorbs all their energy, and then, like, punches through two or three of the spaceships in Ronan's fleet. And it's sort of like, you got a problem, guys? And then goes away. But she's not going to punch through a spaceship, if she didn't just absorb the energy from a nuke. Okay. So, yeah, people people are going to complain that, oh, Captain Marvel oh, no, 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 no. People are going to get Thanos that, that, or whatever. People are going to get hashtag triggered anyway. Like, right. So, yeah, actually, I think Captain Marvel sort of got a raw deal. I felt like she didn't... She didn't have very much to do in the morning besides... Like, you're, you're, didn't your wife even comment that she feels out of place? Yeah, it's just kind of, like, tacked on. Like, yeah. Like, almost like they weren't planning... And your wife did like Captain Marvel. And yeah. that's that's where I feel like my biggest I feel like if you were really looking forward to Captain Marvel just existing or whether you really liked their movie and wanted to see what happened, she'd have a raw deal. It's like, well, she's barely in the movie, she's just barely does anything. But then if you are one of those kinds of people that's like Arr! then you're still gonna be angry because she's involved at all. And meanwhile, in the middle, it's just kind of like, I guess she's there. Because she doesn't feel... Because she's, like, the newest of the new. Right. And this is a movie dedicated to, like, all the older folks. And even in that... But then again, that last battle, that's part of it. Is like That last battle is partially having the passing of the torch. Right. And... And she's obviously important to that. Um, but so, yes. like, I guess we... Like, I even see, like, Black Panther as sort of... He didn't really get much. Oh to yeah, do. actually, I was going to say he did he get was, a really raw deal. For this, my prediction this whole time was he was the new Captain America. He feels like that character role. Too bad the, he's not even American. Okay, I don't mean literally <laughs> because that's well. Clearly, this is a movie where Captain actually passes the shield on. He does pass the shield on, but I mean like the role as the right. the, the leadership role and also the yeah. moral center. He's got the the kind of the wisdom and that moral center. Like, 
I mean, think about it. Like the the most evil he was was in Civil War, and at the very end of that movie, he's like enlightened by the whole situation, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm good he's now." The, he's the sensible one at the end of he, Civil but, War. Yeah, by the end of Civil War, he's the sensible one. Cap, Cap and Iron Man are punching each other's lights out, and so, Black Panther's the sensible and one. But that's the funny thing is, I'm saying, okay, so he's one of the new center pillars, and instead, it definitely feels like uh, Spider Man, and. I guess Captain Marvel? But he's also, I mean, that whole scene, the whole point of that scene, though, was the original Avengers passed the torch in the form of a gauntlet, first to Black Panther, then to Spider-Man, then to Captain Marvel. It was it was clearly, there's, a, there's the symbolism there and who got it. And so, obviously, Black Panther is one of the big three. Yes. For the next... But that's about, like, all he really got. Yeah, he didn't. He was the first one to come through Doctor Strange's big circular thing, and and it's funny because we've mentioned Doctor Strange so many times, and yet I keep forgetting he's in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, and granted, that's partially again, like that is partially that they. I think in some ways, again, like if this is a farewell to the old guard, then I do think they did a good job of making the focus the old guard. Yeah. But that's where it is, again, a little weird because it's like... But then again, Captain Marvel was in this movie. She was not in the prior movie. So Doctor Strange had his moments in Infinity War. Uh, Black Panther had his moments in Infinity War. Spider-Man still gets a lot of moments, but honestly, I mean... It seems unanimous. Everyone loves Tom Holland as Peter Parker. So even though there are already people uh, clamoring for Miles Morales... Uh, give it a little bit. Aren't, aren't give it a little bit. There, there are people, but there aren't really. I look at people. Twitter, man, and Twitter oh, clearly yeah, represents every reality, yeah, yeah. Like every <laughs> bit of reality. No, there, there, there are people. There, I know there's people who would like to see a Miles Morales character. I don't think if well, the they end, already hinted at him technically, right? But I don't think there are people who actually. I don't think the MCU is going is going to kill this Peter Parker. For the sake of, of introducing a Miles Morales? Well, we've already also seen, like, this Marvel Spider-Man video game, you can have both in the same universe. Right, you don't have to kill Peter Parker. You don't Parker have to kill Peter Parker. To have Miles Morales. Um, and for all we know, they might... Well, we don't know what's going to happen with Tom Holland's contract. We don't know if Tom Holland's going to get sick yeah. of Peter Parker. Right, we don't... So, there's lots of stuff going to happen. But, but so, Spider-Man definitely got some time to shine. Um... I feel like the Guardians in general didn't really get, like, stuff. Groot came back and then you didn't have, like, actually that would have been a nice callback to have Groot and Rocket doing this spinny whirly with him shooting the gun, like, the first right. time. Right, yeah. They, I feel like they could have done more with, with Groot. Drax doesn't have any lines, I don't think. He gets, he gets to stab a guy a lot. Oh, that's true. He does get to stab a guy. He gets to stab a guy a lot. Um, um, and that, and I think that's they are now at an interesting point where it's like if Gamora comes back, she doesn't have any feelings for Peter Quill. Now he's gonna need to use some of his pelvic magic. <laughs> pelvic sorcery. <laughs> sorcery. That's what it is. Uh, unless they decide to give him a new love interest, we'll see. He, he, him and Matt. No, it's supposed to be like. Drax and Mantis. I guess maybe that was the roughest part of Guardians too. That's what. That's the funny thing. Again, like if we're yeah. going back and they're going back to these different, like seeing Peter Quill dance in 
that opening recreation of the Guardians, like, opening credits, it really did make me go back, like, like just watching that, I'm like, man, Guardians of the Galaxy was a really good movie. <laughs> yeah. I want to go watch it again. I want to watch, like, they, they have the original Avengers, but they call back to Winter Soldier, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I want to watch Winter Soldier again. Well, that, and, and this, that's... This movie did a good job of making and, you want to watch it all again. And that's why I think what I, I started at the beginning in our non-spoiler section, where I think I, I kind of want to end up, is that part of what makes this movie great is the way in which it's it's a love letter to all the other films. You go yeah. into you get a you get a callback to you know a big callback to Avengers. You get a callback to Winter Soldier. You get a callback to the original Guardians of the Galaxy. You get a callback to Thor the Dark. You know, like you get all of these things, and it makes all these movies feel a little bit more important. Yeah. You get to you see the and wreckage honestly, of of Thanos's homeworld. Well, not the even just that. You get to compare because nobody. Uh, there, I feel like there's people that still don't know Incredible Hulk was MCU, the one with Edward Norton. Yeah, like I've talked to people and be like, that one wasn't MCU, was it? Was it? It's like it had the stinger at the end where. Tony Stark shows up. Robert Downey Jr. shows up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess it's MCU. Like, the, one of the big things at the very beginning was the S.H.I.E.L.D. logo. People were like, oh, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. logo. It's, it's yeah. like, oh, but I didn't realize. Because people fell in love with the Hulk with Mark Ruffalo and Avengers. So seeing him Hulk out and then now where Bruce Banner is, he's like, rawr. Rawr. Like, you know, like <laughs> fake even... breaking stuff. He's like, rawr, Hulk. <laughs> Like, it, it, it's it's a really good, like, even that was a really good little callback kind of a thing. Like, it, yeah. it, it really does, it, 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 and that's, I, I can only imagine kids that started watching these movies at the age of, like, 8 or 10, and now it's been 10 years later, right. and it's like, this is going to be their first big nostalgia bomb. Like, going back yeah. and watching this and be like, oh, man, all the feels and all that other crap. Um, like, it's... It's as much as I've talked about being tired of the Marvel universe in some ways, and even now, like I like the only movies I know I'm going, I know I'm going to keep watching Spider-Man, and any movie that's going to have both uh, well, the new Captain America and Winter Soldier, who they did hint in uh, Infinity War because they talked about like the White Wolf, yeah, uh, whatever, and that's one of the his character names, right? No. No? It's not. White Wolf is somebody totally different. Oh, okay. I thought it was a they just They that. just, yeah, they just wanted to borrow that. for. Okay, but... White Wolf is, like, Black Panther's adopted brother, who's a white guy, um, who, like, becomes the head of his security forces, but then also betrays him, and maybe works with him, and then maybe betrays him, kind of, one of those kinds of deals. One of those kinds of deals, okay. But totally not, um, not Bucky Barnes. Just a little, okay, just a little borrowed line, then. Um, but that's the thing, like, Sebastian Stan, the actor, and, uh, Anthony Mackie have such good chemistry, even off, like, offset, that I am going to see any movie with those two guys. So, Spider-Man and those two guys, like, any future Captain yeah. America, I'm down for. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is a maybe, because I wasn't so fond of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah, we'll see. I, if it's gonna be Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor, I'm there. Yeah, that's a pretty, yeah, that's definitely... But after that, like, I do really wonder, maybe Doctor Strange? Because the first Doctor Strange is kind of, eh. But at the same time, I, okay. 
What I like about Doctor Strange is the way they shot it, and it was an, another one of those films where I was like, oh, they got a motif going with the circle and the time and cycles and all that other stuff. Like, I liked how, like, it's a movie that I could watch that it's like, okay, they, they're doing something different than just mm. let's be a spectacle. And the spectacle part was interesting too, but at the same time, the movie's biggest flaw is, oh, they're trying to make him another Tony Stark. Because he's yeah. got, they try and give him the same quips. They try and give him the right. same attitude. And, and I think somebody pointed out that um, Doctor Strange is more interesting in his five-minute cameo in Thor Ragnarok than he is in yes. his own movie. And in Infinity War, he works as well. So he right. might still be able to Without work Without having, yeah, they, they, they've got a hand, better handle on the character. But it's like, when it comes to the idea of so many other things, I guess... And maybe, maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe ten years I, we'll be talking about the end of Gen Two, and we'll be—I'll be like, yeah, goodbye to Black Panther, goodbye to, because who knows who they'll be sending off next time. And yeah, but eventually, eventually they're going to run out of even be serviceable characters. You know, like the, you do wonder how long they can make this last. I'm a—it's amazing they made it this far. I remember being curious after the first Avengers, okay, but can they keep it going? Can they get to Thanos? There's a lot of people with exhaustion, and I think maybe one of the biggest problems is three movies a year is a lot. Yeah. But they're at least they're giving us a break. They're doing Sp After Spider-Man? After Spider-Man. They did three movies this year already with once we hit Spider-Man. Oh yeah, because they already did Captain Marvel, you're right. And then they'll, and they'll give us like a, a, I don't know, eight months off or something like that before they throw the next yeah. one at us. But there's, like, I mean, who knows? Who knows what the future's going to bring? Um, and who knows what my interest level's going to be? Because I think there is that little bit of exhaustion. But some of it's also just from being contrarian. And I am very contrarian. Um, so, and again, like, one of the big things I also said was the biggest thing about, event, about Marvel is they where blockbusters were. Not just superhero movies blockbusters in general they raised the bar because i even remember 2008 still being in college coming out of iron man be like yeah that was a really good b plus movie it's like it's like they made a good movie they made a good yeah. b plus movie that's the thing it was b plus and now b plus is more was more common for a while it might just be that everyone's desperate attempts to try and imitate this has made has just like everyone else like started to get better and now they're awful again. So who knows? Like, cause uh, this movie was fun. Yeah. The only other movie I've seen this year, like the last two movies I saw, were Bad Times the El Royale and Battle Angel Alita. Alita is the more comparable one, and again, that's where I say like I feel like Alita might be a better movie, but this has that emotional uh, element to it. Yeah. And I haven't seen it, but anyway, so... You definitely want to wrap up because yeah. this is an hour and a half. You don't have to edit this. You just have to save it and send it. That's true. Remember to send it this time. I remember to send it. <laughs> but, so, so I think I think really it's... there's There are... It's not flawless, but I don't think anybody... Uh, for one, ten years ago, nobody imagined this movie. I mean, somebody did. Somebody did, but it wasn't, Dude, it we wasn't were, me. We were like, we were amazed that they were going to try the Avengers, period. Yeah. And I remember walking out of that movie and being like, oh my gosh, they did it. Yeah. Like, think about that. 
They did it, yeah. They did it. And now we're here at an Avengers Endgame. They did Thanos, and it's like, they did it. Holy crap, they did it. So, can they do it, continue it? But honestly, also, I think part of the reason they did it was Anthony and Joe Russo. Do we know what they're doing after this? They're not doing any more Marvel films at the moment. And that's where... I'm curious to see. I will, but but what were what were Anthony and Joe Russo before this? Uh, mostly TV directors, but at the very least, which oh yeah, two community. They had two community cameos. Yeah, and I think they directed like some Arrested Development or something, right? They did some Arrested Development. They did some community with community. Oh. They showed that they understand how to do different film genres. Yeah, but um, but so anyway, they, I think what it it really relies on them. Finding the right talent, and again, we nobody. I, I shared a headline on Facebook a while ago. It was you know, you know, Marvel puts all its money on no name act, on unknown actors or something like that, with a picture of uh, Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth from like 2009. That's right. They were unknown at the time. Right, and it's sort of, and it, it is kind of fun to think about. Like, maybe, who knows who the next... Maybe they'll find the next great guys, or maybe they'll cast Ben Affleck I mean, as look, Batman. Tom Holland. Like, and, Tom you know, Holland had done other stuff, but Tom Holland is now in the Uncharted movie because of Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, you know that, because... So, you're right, they, they do know... They've got a great casting director, for the most part. Um, and they've got... Mostly good choices of directors. They mostly find the right because even Ryan and Coogler gotten, was a good find. Ryan Coogler was a good find. And they've gotten. I feel like Ryan Coogler wanted to do more with Black Panther, but at the same time, like one of like every one of these movies, like even Captain America: Civil War, like I feel like that movie gives you the most to chew on. Uh, but at the same time, they even knock it down as like we're still making a mainstream movie, guys. We, right, right. we can't make. We can't ask people to think too hard. Right. Like, right. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about, I think, right, so part of what is maybe encouraging about Marvel is they keep on solving their problems, right? Um, they have, they've improved, they, they had a problem with bad villains, they improved their villains. They had a problem with being too controlling of, of talented directors trying to make a unique film. And you write the loss of Edgar Wright and stuff. And, and so like that, and then, and then we got, you know, Taika Waititi doing... Uh, Thor Ragnarok, and they seem to have fixed, and Ryan Coogler yeah. doing Black Panther, and they so they seem to be more open to that. So we're going to see if they can continue to evolve, address their biggest problems, and and do this again. We'll see. Yeah, I would say Phase Two is probably the weakest of the three phases they did, and I think that's also where I because if I read right, there was an executive on board that was the one that held the gun to. Like, this specific guy held the gun to the farm scene in Age of Ultron and forced Joss Whedon to throw the the Thor vision in there, even though uh, it didn't fit. Like, basically, that executive was got, gotten rid of real quick, and that's when things started to improve again. Um, so, yeah, it does seem like... I mean, we'll see. You're right. We'll, we'll see, see what happens. And, uh, and we'll you, be back to talk to you about it when they tell us what's going on. And go to RamblePack64.com, find the post for this A Steve, and comment. No one's commenting. I want people to comment. I want to know if it even works. And tell me how dumb my ideas are. Well, I mean... 
Oh, no, I'm not going to do it. Have a good night. Good night. Yeah, have a good night, everybody. <laughs>